Section 29 of The Complete Works of Bran the Iconoclast, Volume 12. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andy Glover. The Complete Works of Bran the Iconoclast, Volume 12. Section 29. William Cowper Bran by J. D. Shaw William Cowper Bran was born in Humboldt Township, Coles County, Illinois, January 4, 1855. He was not raised in the home of his parents, though his father, Reverend Noble Bran, survived him, and is still living, his mother having died when he was two and a half years old. He was within the next six months placed in the care of Mr. William Hawkins, a Coles County farmer, with whom he lived about ten years. As to his childhood experiences on the Hawkins farm, nothing is now known. They were probably such as are common to children raised in the country. Of Mr. Hawkins, he always spoke kindly, referring to him as Pa Hawkins. His nature was not suited to farm life, however, and he finally made up his mind to see more of the world. Hence, without ever having disclosed his resolution to anyone, he quietly walked away, one dark and cheerless night, carrying in a small box under his arm all that he then possessed, and leaving behind him the friends of his childhood, in the only place he had ever known as his home, thus entering upon the active struggle of life at thirteen years of age, without friends, destitute of means, and almost entirely uneducated. The first position he obtained was that of bellboy in a hotel. Later on he learned to be a painter and grainer, then a printer, a reporter, and finally an editorial writer. He was energetic, industrious, and painstaking in whatever he undertook to do, therefore always employed. Early in his struggle he realized the need of an education in the acquirement of which he applied himself with eager diligence. Nature had endowed him with keen perceptive powers, a retentive memory, and great mental vigor, by means of which he soon accumulated considerable knowledge. Every moment that could be spared from his daily toil was spent in reading books of science, philosophy, history, biography, and general literature. In this way, he became thoroughly informed on almost every important subject, as will be seen by the contents of his writings. On March 3, 1877, at Rochelle, Illinois, he was married to Miss Carrie Martin, who, with their two children, Grace Gertrude and William Carlyle, is now living in the beautiful home here at Waco, from which he was buried April 3, 1898. During all the years from the time he left the hospitable home of Mr. Hawkins, in 1868, until after he had successfully launched Brand's Iconoclast, he suffered the harassing annoyances of extreme poverty, in the endurance of which he was cheerful, hopeful, and diligent in the equipment of his mind, preparatory to the work he always believed he would some day be able to accomplish. Beginning his literary career as a reporter, he was soon made an editorial writer, in which capacity he became well known throughout Illinois, Missouri, and Texas. As such, 
he was versatile, forceful, and direct. There was no needless repetition of tiresome circumlocution in his composition. He possessed an inexhaustible vocabulary, from which he could always find the words best fitted to convey his meaning at the moment they were most needed, and every sentence was resplendent with an order of wit, humor, and satire, peculiar to a style original with himself. In July 1891, he issued at Austin, Texas, the first number of Brand's Iconoclast. Only a few numbers appeared, when it was suspended and he resumed his editorial work, then on the Globe Democrat of St. Louis, Missouri, and later on the Express of San Antonio, Texas. It was in connection with his first attempt to establish the Iconoclast that he delivered a few lectures that were well received. In later years, he went upon the platform again with every prospect of a successful career in the lecture field. In the summer of 1894 he settled here in Waco, and in February of the following year revived the Iconoclast, which was successful from the first issue, having reached at the time of his death a circulation of 90,000 copies. It was through the Iconoclast that his genius found full scope for development and that he became best known to the public. In its columns, he dared to be himself. There was now no restraint imposed upon him by timorous publishers. It belonged to him, and in it he gave full wing to his own thought. It was this intellectual freedom, sustained by the magic power and personality of a real genius, that gave to it such widespread popularity. Mr. Brand has been classed as a humorist, this he was, and of a type peculiar to himself. But he was not content with merely having amused or entertained the people. He aspired to arouse public sentiment in the interest of certain reforms. He was a hater of shams, and defied every form of fraud, hypocrisy, and deceit. He made of his humor a whip with which to scourge from the temple of social purity every intruder there. He joined in no partisan schemes for place or power, but, confident of his own ground, he would stand alone in the defiance of popular humbugs and frauds. This heroic independence, while admired by many, made him a mark for the envy and hatred of such as feared him, and in the end proved to be the cause of his death. But with all his uncompromising hatred of shams, there beat in the bosom of W. C. Bran, a warm and generous heart for the world at large, and no man was ever a more devoted friend to the poor and needy. No beggar was ever turned away from his door empty-handed, and no worthy cause ever asked his help in vain. His religion was to do whatever he believed to be right, and to defy the wrong even though it should be found parading in the garb and livery of righteousness. Mr. Bran was fond of nature, he loved the mountains, the lakes, the rivers, and the billowy sea. He loved to walk amid forest trees, and watch the birds fly from bough to bough, and warble their songs of love. But in all the wide, wide world, his home life was the most sacred object of his devotion. And when prosperity gave him the means to do so, he found great delight in making it beautiful and pleasant. He was fond of his friends but the love he bore his wife and children was sublimely beautiful, tender, and affectionate.
His sudden death was a shock not only to his immediate friends, but to the hundreds of thousands who knew him through the iconoclast. Walking quietly along the street, talking with a friend, he was shot in the back by one T. E. Davis, a partisan on the Baylor side of the Bran-Baylor Trouble. After receiving, without warning, his death wound, Mr. Brand turned upon his assailant, drew a revolver, and vindicated his courage by delivering his fire with such deadly aim as to leave Davis in the throes of death, which came to his relief about twenty hours after the fray. Mr. Brand received three wounds, from the first of which he died at 1.55 a.m., April 2nd, surrounded by his family and many sympathizing friends. The impression has gone abroad that Mr. Bran was without friends and admirers in Waco. The falsity of this impression was made manifest by the funeral attendants, said and generally believed to have been the largest ever seen here. He was a believer in religion, therefore, it was not improper that a religious service was held, conducted by Rev. Frank Page, Doctor of Divinity, of the Episcopal Church though the writer, acting in accordance with the wishes of the family, spoke a few words at the grave. In Oakwood Cemetery the body of Bran was laid to rest, in the embrace of our common mother earth, and under a mound of floral offerings, which though profuse and costly were but a feeble expression of the sincere grief that struck dumb with awe the thousands upon thousands who had learned to love him with an affection accorded to few men. My position as to Mr. Brand's style of journalism has been freely expressed, and while he was still alive, I do not approve of all he saw fit to write, nor of the spirit in which he wrote, but that he was a real genius and a benefactor of his race cannot be denied. It was with him, as it is with all men of his type, he made strong and bitter enemies, still his friends and admirers were numbered by thousands. I may safely say hundreds of thousands. The purposes, direction, and character of the iconoclast were in many respects different from those of this pulpit. Nevertheless, there was between Mr. Bran and myself a strong tie of friendship that, so far as I know, never suffered the breach of a single moment, and I sincerely mourn his loss as a personal friend, whose kindly greetings were to me as glimpses of the sun on a winter's day. Of humble birth, beset by poverty and environed by many difficulties, he applied himself to the study of literature, with such diligence as to acquire abilities possessed by few, and when once equipped for the field, he occupied with such consummate skill, no power of prejudice could keep him from rising like a star of the first magnitude. Alas, how soon that star has been obscured! and by what ignoble means. But against great odds, its brief existence was characterized by a brilliancy that no prejudice or hatred can ever obliterate. Having dealt candidly with Mr. Brand while living, I will not now ignore the fact that he had faults, and his inability to overcome these marred here and there the splendor of his intellectual achievements. His faults, though, were of a kind that may be permitted to pass into the grave with his body. His virtues were many, and for these he was loved, despite the imperfections he could not always control. 
His services to mankind were numerous, and they were rendered with a devotion as ardent as that of a lover. For these he will be remembered. Nor can any power rob him of his fame as a literary genius, a poet, a humorist, and a satirist. End of section 29